Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Uh, back enough about me. Taping this Thursday, the 18th of April already. Uh... All I see on TV are Mueller report stuff. I have to admit, I know, I don't, I just don't give a fuck. I don't care. Nothing's going to happen. He's still going to be the president, so whatever. People can debate it all day, all, all night. I, I have to admit, it's just, it's just something I don't care about. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, before we get to my topic today, uh, I, I, I have to say, you know, to have Andrew Beckwith, the president of America's fam- Massachusetts Family Values, or whatever he's the president of, one day, and then Sue. Uh, Sue O'Connell the next day um, is uh, I keep calling her is it Sue O'Donnell or Sue O'Connell I, if I talk about how much I like her she probably know her fucking name instead of being an idiot let me look it up I don't know why I always call her what is it somebody tell me what it is I hate my fucking phone too it takes me forever to find shit let's see here yeah, episode. Sue O'Connell I was right alright Sue O'Connell yeah back to back days Andrew Beckwith who you know I think I think thinks being gay uh, is a choice, uh, and would have a tough time if one of his sons was gay. Birds, and then having Sue on the next day, who uh, is a completely opposite. You know, <clears throat> hopefully I'll get them both on together at some point. They can have a conversation. She, I, I, I liked Andrew, but Sue is great, great, one of my favorite guests already so far. And I hope to use her more as the show goes on and we start doing different things. Um, and with that, I had an interesting meeting yesterday um, with a couple of fairly big wigs in, in uh, Entercom. Um, a lunch, um, where they talked about the show itself, and now I guess maybe actually going, uh, <clears throat> becoming sort of a live radio show here toward the end of the summer. So I don't know. They they really like the podcast. They want more podcasts. Um, now they want maybe the live show and some different stuff, sort of sub projects, sort of investigative world as well, which I really want to do from a podcast perspective sort of have my own podcast world as a production company almost within Entercom where I can do the shit that I'm interested in doing from a podcast perspective. So that's intriguing to me also. So a lot of stuff um, going on. So it was a good day for me. It was a good day for really for everybody the last couple of days in, in, in this building. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So anyway, geez. Um, <laughs> uh, I just picture... Uh, Gloria Stewart at the end standing on top of the boat, you know, and with her necklace. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, so uh, a couple of guests canceled on me today. And this is sort of, I guess, um, part of the problem of being me, I think, uh, is I have a lot of guests first agree to do it. Then they think about it, look around, they do a Google search or two. Uh, hello to Jeff Sadalano, my boss, who hates when I drink. Um, but I'm, I have a whole nice full, uh, full drinky for me today here. So get ready for it. Get ready for the ice clicking in the, uh, in the, uh, in the drink be drinking. I don't know. Um, but anyway, they bailed on me a few of them. So I, I was thinking, I don't know, you know, I, I want to sort of, I, 
Well, first of all, before I get into any of this stuff, I was surprised at the feedback I got. So Moroso, the producer, listened to me, producer to be your candidate or whatever. Uh, we're interviewing some other guys, I guess, coming up. Uh, did get rid of the music at the start, but I got a bunch of feedback saying that people missed the music at the start. So tweet at me, yes or no, if you want the open uh, back in, the whatever the fuck. I mean, it's so awful, I think. But if you want something different, I don't know. Let me know. We got I got a surprising amount of feedback. First of all, the Sue uh, O'Connell feedback was unanimously great, and I'm happy about that. But the uh, but people weren't happy that the, the intro is not there. It sounds weird, they say. So I don't know, uh, Moroso. I'm going to let you make the call on this for, for this one. Um, but going forward, I don't know if we're going to have it or not have it. But I just I hate it's so fucking cheesy. The, I don't know. If we go with a different one, that's fine. But I don't think... A lot of other podcasts, I, I don't know, I guess some do and some don't. But it, So part of the deal, I think, also is, and I don't know enough about this, uh, maybe I should, is that if you do a podcast, uh, like, you know, a traditional radio show, like um, like my old station, Country, I, I'm sorry, I'm stupid, I don't know what I'm thinking, uh, Sports Radio 93.7 WEI can play... Um, Anything like you know, they could play stuff coming in out of. I'm looking at. I'm actually in the mix studio producers booth right now. Mix on the 4.1 Boston's best variety, and I'm looking at different songs here. And they have, uh, you know, Jailbreak. I think that's Thin Lizzy, right? And different songs. So they just do. You know, you guys know coming in out of breaks. I don't think in a podcast you can do that. I remember I did a podcast before uh, Enough About Me years back. I'm talking like eight, nine years ago. When this really first started, and it wasn't even on iTunes, it was just on EEI.com, and it was produced by Michael Berger, my pal Michael Berger, uh, and he kind of came up, I think we had like, I'll have to text and ask him, but I think we had Lucky, uh, 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 My Lucky Day by Bruce Springsteen, but it wasn't, you, you couldn't have the, you couldn't have him sing, it was like the, the, like the guitar version, the instrumental version of it, it sucked, um, but it was the best we could do. Also, by the way, in that old podcast, I got to interview uh, John Parr, who sang St. Elmo's Fire, which I enjoyed doing that interview, uh, just parenthetically. So anyways, so <clears throat> long way of saying uh, people bailed on me today. We've reached out to a lot of people. I have irons in the fire, I guess is the phrase here going forward, that makes people in the building and in you know corporate buildings nervous, which I also like. <sighs> so... Um, as I continue to work on that, I thought it might be interesting, and maybe it won't be, experimentally here, uh, to talk about, I left <clears throat> um, EEI um, this past September, I guess it was, when I went took a leave of absence after the previous month going to McLean. So I guess we have different people now, they tell me, they told me yesterday, they tell me every day, we have more and more listeners to this podcast, different sort of higher numbers, so maybe not everybody knows who you are, not everybody knows your backstory. And I don't think I've talked in great length other than that I've had depression, but sort of about it. And I was amazed when I announced that I was in McLean um, after having suicidal thoughts um, this past August. The amount of emails I got and tweets I got, but really emails and just texts from people who I have known or went to high school with or haven't talked to in a while who have gone through similar stuff or know somebody, and particularly men who have done it. Uh, and, I, and I think it's a stigma, this male, it sort of seems emasculating. I've talked about this, 
how depression seems emasculating, but it's also difficult for women too. And I think when I do that, I'm I'm not giving them enough. It's not easy for anybody, is what I'm saying. So anyway, um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about my history with it, and and you know, again, if somebody hears this and it helps them, great. If it's interesting, better. You know, um, but I'm not comparing what I've gone through to what anybody else has gone through. Everyone's got their own story. Uh, who battles this, but I know, um, you know, I've talked to people who have, you know, uh, my own mom, you know, had pancreatic cancer, uh, would say that, that the worst of depression was just as bad as her cancer. So, you know, I don't know what's better, worse, different, you know, but I know depression could kill you. It could kill you very easily. So, um, I don't know. Anyway, so, so, I, I, I went away to McLean uh, last August, and I'll go back to that a little bit, what led me there. Um, but it's something I've battled with my whole life or my whole memory, you know, since I've really been, I guess, a teenager. Um, and things started just feeling weird to me, and I don't think that's unusual, right? It's difficult to be a teenager. Uh, but my mom battled depression at times severely her really her entire life um and i know a little bit about her family's history she's from my mom was actually born in nova scotia uh, moved here when she was i want to say four years old uh, my aunt sandra will correct me next time i see her on easter if i'm wrong uh so she came with my my nana and papa her parents uh moved uh, here to somerville anyway <clears throat> So I think there's a, 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 I mean, I'm aware of some history of depression on that side of the family. Uh, not just my mom, some severe, some not. My mom um, had very, very at times crippling depression where she wouldn't leave the couch. And you think of it like as, as a kid, it's all you know, right? Um, but when you're an adult now and you think about it and you think about how maybe I was insensitive you might have been as a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kid uh, who needs a ride to fucking Papa Gino's to meet up with, uh, you know, Matt Fuller, Mike Lacey and uh, whoever, uh, Andy Nolan, um, to, to now and thinking about it, you know, it's sad. She, you know, went to therapy a lot, all the time, um, her one of the therapists she went to is mine now. Um, she had a thing where, and I'm sure there's a name for it, but she got to points so bad that she couldn't leave the town that she was in. She we lived in Winchester, and if you got to a town line, you know I remember there's a restaurant Deep Pasquale's in Medford now gone. Um, and my dad really liked him. I'm like, we liked it. It was like a family little, I'm sure a lot of people remember it, little dive, but it was good. It's something else now. It's good, whatever it is. Anyway, we, we, we would try and go and get, and once in Winchester, Medford's right there. You cross over the Medford line and she would freak out. She couldn't breathe. I think one time we actually turned around. One time we didn't, we didn't make it. You know, she, there were times where she couldn't leave the car. Like she'd come pick us up from school with Vincent Owen and like drive over to the mailbox next to in our house and reach out. My, my, my brother Ryan just recently reminded me of this. She'd grab the mail and get go into the garage and like it'd be hard for her to get to the into the house. She just had this crippling, um, uh, you know, insecurities. I, I'm trying to think of the word, but I can't. You know, she was just so tense and so nervous, 
And this thing where she couldn't leave, we were going to go to Disney World with my Uncle Joe, Aunt Teresa, my cousins, Maddie and Joey, and my mom, my dad, and, and me and Ryan, uh, me and Adam. I don't know if my youngest brother, Ryan, was born yet. I don't think he was. If he was, he was really little. And we got to Logan. And I now re- I was told the story as an adult, but I now remember my dad arguing with my mom. My mom saying, I can't go. I can't go. She was sort of crying almost. And it didn't really make sense to me. And now I know, and she told me later, she just wasn't going to be able to get on a plane because it was so difficult for her. She was so, you know, uh, uh, afraid of these things, afraid of, of going out and not. It was just this crippling, you know, terrible tightness that she would feel and it was with her really her whole life um i'm actually recounting the story thinking of something that's happened to me recently i didn't make that connection and now i didn't it's a little freaky but anyway uh boy life is weird so this was sort of what i witnessed a lot and i could tell um around that around that age of 13 14 that this stuff whatever she was having I could tell I had it, um, and I had a great high school, you know, great group of friends. Played sports. Um, I was not antisocial, particularly, you know, at times like anybody else was. You change, you go through puberty, your body changes, all that stuff. But <clears throat> I could tell there were times where I didn't want to leave my room. I didn't want to talk to anybody at school, you know, for a day or two, I'd kind of keep my head down and I didn't really understand it. I didn't, couldn't really articulate it. Um, and I'd be sad, you know, I would be in my room at 14, 15 years old. And back then, uh, I've never said these things. I don't even think I've said these things out loud in therapy. I suppose maybe I have, um, Anyway, back then, you know, <laughs> this is a weird memory. So back then you would, uh, I still had in my, my bedroom, I'm just thinking of my bedroom now, <clears throat> the things that went on in there, just, you know, the amount of pornography that was looked at and, <clears throat> you know, destroyed, frankly. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> anyway, perfect timing. <clears throat> there was a screw up in here, so Moroso came in and fixed it. I think I was at the point where I was in my room in whatever 90 91 so back then you would have i had um uh, uh stereo i had a record player um and the and then you know a cassette thing not a cd player then and i would play a lot at night i would play these sort of you know like nebraska springsteen stuff sort of depressing stuff and that would make me you know cry and I was a you know I was a regular teenage guy boy I was you know was the big, you know pretty good athlete pretty popular you know a lot of friends no real issues no you know not a financial worry in the world thank god and two good parents I guess good two good parents and you know everyone was healthy and I would be upstairs listening to these records and just crying and I remember crying and the crying in a way made me feel better it was therapeutic oddly and this has been the theme for me now for 30 years. I mean, I'll get to it, I guess, later on. So I didn't really understand it. And there were times where I was just so down, like just I was just, you know, weepy and 
and, 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 and you know, you'd go to school and you'd hide it. You'd, you'd put on a little bit of a show, and I was a sarcastic, sort of wise-ass, you know, not a lot different than I am today And that, you know, I was very quick-witted and sort of had a line for everybody, and, uh, you know, the, the sarcasm was definitely a, a deflection for me in a way to sort of hide other stuff. Um, you know, I was deathly afraid of my father and at the same time loved him a lot and really, really, really wanted him to love me, which he did, but he couldn't articulate at that point in his life. Um, and that would upset me. And it was just a weird time, but yet, you know, a good time and a bad time. I get emotional just talking about it, you know, just my dad anyway. Um, and my dad at the time, you know, it's 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 funny. And my my middle brother Adam is who's, uh, oh jeez, who's uh, four years younger than me, can remember some of it. My youngest brother Ryan, who's ten years younger than I am, uh, like nine. Well, he's nine years younger now. He'll be whatever, ten years younger than I am. Um, doesn't remember a lot of it, but my dad, uh, was. A good, a good guy, worked incredibly hard, um, but was very young. When I look at it now, I think he had me when he was 24. So, you know, I look at Harry and Kate, you know, the age I am now, you know, Kate would be 20. You know, I, I so when I was in my late 30s, I would have a teenage kid. Mid-30s, I wouldn't be able to handle that. And my dad, who who whose own dad was, you know, a heavy drinker and abusive physically. Um, my dad, who never hit me or touched me ever, had issues with drinking, and you know, he never really confronted them. And he got be- it was it got better as he got older, I think. But when he was younger and I was younger, I drank a lot um, of liquor, not just beer, but liquor. And I can still remember, and he was just. You know, he had anger issues. Um, and I wish I had understood that when I was four, 14 or 12. Or, but, you know, you don't, right? So you don't know what's going on. Um, he'd work hard and come home, and he would have a certain smell in his breath that was liquor smell. Now, I, I know now as, as an older, you know, as an adult, I didn't know what then. But that, to me, was a smell of, like, anger and trouble and fear and... I didn't know what the fuck was going to go on. You know, he would just get angry. He'd get angry if I didn't do well in a math quiz. He'd get angry if I didn't, you know, practice my free throws. He'd get angry. And, and it wasn't like this horrible existence or anything. There were ups and downs. We didn't see him a lot. He worked so hard. And I think he thought his role was supposed to be this guy. My mom was the protector. She was the good cop. My dad was the bad cop. And he'd get mad at her because she was the good cop. She'd get mad at him because he was the bad cop. He could, She couldn't confront him because she couldn't confront anybody. She wanted to please everybody and in doing so often please nobody. And that would frustrate us. So it was just a weird dynamic. But, you know, and, and as he got older, he was, you know, uh, he was a great dad as he got older. I think the second half of my life and his life. And as a grandfather, he was great. Um, this is what am I doing here? But, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I just, th- you, you just think of things and like, you know, I could think of, uh, <laughs> I could think of, uh, you know, like, so for instance, like I was not a great student. Um, I had some, some, I still do mathematically, like, have weird spatial issues. Like, Kate's at the point now where she's doing algebra and, you know, all this stuff where I am useless 
You know, you want I can do 15 times 18 right now for you. I can do, you know, I'm great with that stuff. Like, so I was already getting to that point, and I want to say this was sixth grade, um, where I was doing really bad math, like really bad. I would do really well in English because I love to read. I would do well in history because I love to read. In science, I sucked. In the math, I sucked. And it would drive my dad fucking crazy. Um, to the point where, you know, the deal was he called it double secret probation, which I didn't even know was an Animal House reference when I was a kid. I was, like, terrified of that of that phrase. Um, where he would sit me, uh, I would come home from school, and the deal was I would sit at the kitchen table until my dad got home. I would do my homework. I could eat. But I had to sit at the, that was my punishment. I would sit at the table for six, seven hours. Now, sometimes my mom would just let me go because she was, I'd, I'd wear her down. But then the garage door would open, that sprint to the, you know, it was just fucking crazy. Chaos. Um, so we had our, 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 uh, back then, you would get your report cards at school. You know, nowadays we get them emailed to us and you can't hide anything. But I got a terrible math grade. I mean, awful. I, I don't remember what it was. I really don't. But, uh, and my dad knew it was coming because we got, he'd seen the tests and we worked on them and he would get angrier and angrier. And I, we got the report cards. Let's just say it was on the Tuesday. And I lied to them and said there was some, got home on Tuesday. Where's, you know, my dad, where's your report card? And his dad, I don't know. You know, da, 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 you know, you know. All right, yeah, I think there's some, something going on at the school. They're going to print them tomorrow. Where's your report card? Uh, tomorrow. So by Thursday, I'm playing out these days. I think he knew the bullshit was up. He got home late from work. I was there. Where's your report card? Uh, we didn't get it yet. You're lying to me. No, I'm not. You're lying to me. No, you're not. You're lying to me. No, you're not. No, I'm not. <clears throat> and Vincent Owen was about... <sighs> for my house in Winchester, my school I went to Vincent Owen was probably seven or eight-tenths of a mile. I just told the story the other day that to, to my to my doctor... And it was downhill, basically. He walked up. Our street tangle was a little hill, then he went straight down. We we're basically at the top of Winchester, hill-wise. And then you had to go down to Vincent Owen. And my dad said, you're lying. And I could smell that 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 shit on his breath. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Like Even then, I knew, intellectually, I knew that this it wasn't like the way he normally is. And he said, you're going to go to Vincent Owen right now, and you're going to get that report card. And it was like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. And I said, well, it's dark out. And he said, you're going to go. So I put on my sneakers and ran to Vincent Owen and my dad and his BMW was behind me with the lights on. <laughs> it's it's funny now. It's fucked up. Like you think about 30 So I, I, I ran down the hill and he was just behind me in that old white BMW. Adam and Ryan know the one I'm talking about. Uh, slowly with the lights on and I was running there and when I was running I was even thinking this is this just does not seem like normal behavior. I got there, and Pat McDonough, the, who was a janitor at the school, and a great guy, he died years ago, and he was a really sweet guy. Um, and we went to, my mom and I went to his wake, and a funny, sort of a funny story about that is I was shaving before it, and I somehow cut my lip shaving in getting like a half hour before his wake, and gushed, I, it was the biggest gusher I've ever had in my life. And like, I, I went to the wake line, I went to school with one of his nieces, I think, um, I remember talking to her. I was like, Rich Keith. And I had like this huge bandage on my lip and I felt like such an asshole. Anyway, um, I got to the to the school and Pat was there. And like and my dad came out with him and and and, they, and my we said we need to go up to get to the th- go up to the locker because it was there. So I went up to the locker, got the report card, and got back in the car with my dad and, and we drove back and you know. That was sort of that level of tension for three or four years, you know, until like the middle of high school. 
I think was always there and like added, I would say my senior high school, that was my life for six, five, six years, always sort of like that on eggshells. And I didn't handle that well. And my dad didn't handle it well. Um, and my mom didn't handle it well. We didn't really know what to do. And we went to family therapy and I went to therapy. My mom did. My dad wouldn't really on his own. He could have used it. Um, but I look at it now and I know he was doing the best he could, but he just didn't know how to do it. He got better at it. So anyway, all that stuff, this was sort of my life, half great, half weird, uh, all the way through senior in high school. And I had a good senior in high school, you know, had a good time and, and graduated and was going to go to prep school that next, um, that next year. And that summer I fell into really a funk I didn't fall into again for, you know, 25 years, um, and didn't get out of bed a couple of days and then had an argument with my parents and went to my room and just trashed my room and freaked out and said I wanted to die and all that stuff. And I didn't really want to, I don't think. Actually, I know I didn't, but I knew I didn't want to feel like I felt. And they um, wound up putting me in a, uh, a, uh, a, a place in the Westwood Norwood area. Um, for a couple of weeks, <clears throat> and it was scary. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a facility. It was a place to go for mental health, and it was a different time. It was already beginning to pro- progress from sort of cuckoo's nest, but it wasn't where it was in 2019. It was almost exactly in between, right? Cuckoo's nest was in the 70s, and now we're in today. So the 90s were sort of a little bit of old stuff and a little bit of the new stuff, and you could tell, you know. I was scared. I was such a, I was so young. You know, I, I saw when I was here, when I was there in McLean this past summer, I saw kids about that age and I, I, I didn't want to bother them, but I also wanted to tell them it was going to be okay. Uh, because it's really scary. I was really scared. The door closed and I was there by myself, which I'd never really been. Um, and so you have, you were assigned a roommate there, um, or had a roommate there. My roommate was this very kind old guy named Pete. Uh, actually, my dad's name. Um, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, you know, people are always older than, younger than you think when you're young. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna say he was in the 70s. Back then, I thought he was like 100. You know, um, but he was very quiet. You know, very nice to me, but just incredibly sad looking guy and he had told me he had been in these places on and off for 30 years 40 years and I remember you know that first night the lights go off I don't know this guy and I'm thinking am I is this gonna be you know I kind of looked over the bed across from me and thought is this gonna be my life am I gonna be like Pete where I do these things for 30 40 years I feel okay and I feel like shit I feel okay and I feel like shit so I went there and I was there for you know, it's crazy. The only people who would know the answer to that are my mom and dad. I don't think they're going to answer when I call them. Um, I want to say I was there for 12 days, maybe. And I came out and I felt better. You know, I was on Prozac then um, for the first time. And I had a sort of an on and off history with that drug. Um, and I had a, the best academic year of my life. Really the best school year of my life. Um, at Williston, Northampton that next year. Made a bunch of friends, you know, had a great year in sports, had a great year academically, um, and felt good. 
and felt good, you know, for the next four, five, six years, you know, good. Sometimes a little down, same thing, good. Um, my relationship with my dad started to change uh, a little bit. He was getting softer as he was getting older. He really, he cut out the the, the hard booze, just beer at that point. Um, he drank a lot of beer, but it was, he, he was, he was not, he was, I remember my mom would always say he was just, a, he got, was mean when he started doing the, the other stuff and he stopped that. And I think, you know, my situation um, and then the situations of my brothers who have both battled with addiction um, <clears throat> softened him and changed him, made him, you know, a different person, uh, which was, I think, really remarkable when you think about it. This is a hardline guy who changed the best he could. He it was not perfect, but, you know, nobody is. Uh, and then kids were born and, and, and grandkids, and that really changed him. Um, my mom continued to go up and down. She went away to this place in Arizona for a couple of weeks to try and figure stuff out. Uh, I'd have to ask Adam and Ryan for the specific year. I want to say like 03 or 04. Um, <clears throat> but she would just get down and she'd spend a lot of time on the couch and weepy and then she'd be okay. She was sort of not quite manic, but she'd have high highs and low lows. And their marriage was was strange. Um, <clears throat> and so it happened again, this fucking... I hit a button and it froze again. So I don't know where I was, which is, you know, good. But so anyway, you know, I think I was talking to my mom and dad and they had a weird marriage and it was good and bad and it turned out to be sort of incredible. Just a weird ending. But so that was happening and I was, you know, same thing. Professionally, you know, now I have two kids. Professionally, I'm sort of on a roll here. You know, I'm, I'm uh, enjoying the success financially and professionally and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, down, up and down, up and down, but mostly up. Um, you know, my parents both get sick. Um, my dad gets diagnosed, uh, with multiple myeloma in <clears throat> November of 2015. My mom is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in February of 2016 and life changes, Every day is life or death in your mind when you're, and we're, I'm with them, me, my wife, my brothers, um, you know, a lot fell on us, particularly my wife, but you know, some on me is my brothers were a little further away and both working day, but full-time jobs. I had flexible hours, obviously, and, and able to get shoot right from Brighton to, 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 to Mass General. Um, and just the pressure of it, you know, I didn't, I handled it the best I could for those two years. But, you know, watching your parents die at the same time of cancer um, and all the stuff that comes with it was, while it was going on, I think I put a lot of it sort of aside and just kept your head down and plowed through it and worked and and, and had tremendous professional success and the highest of it, I think, for what we do. And at the same time, this sort of weird thing going on, this hell where I'm watching my parents die slowly. Uh, My dad really suffered physically. Um, uh, more than my mom, oddly, till the end. But, you know, watching my dad, sort of my hero and my, you know, <laughs> greatest, uh, uh, I forget what Springsteen says in the Broadway show, his hero and his greatest foe, watching him die like this was, you know, just didn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, you think of things, like we got to go to Ireland, which was great. You know, he wanted to go back to Ireland where his parents were from and born and raised one more time. 
And I think we all, we all knew that. My mom wanted to go to Nova Scotia too. She got to do that with my wife and my 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 daughter Kate. Um, you know, we were in in Ireland. We wound up in Donegal, where my dad's family was from. Um, my dad's mom was from, and uh, they, uh, my dad's cousin Martin owns this restaurant, the Salmon Inn, the next door to it. Um, is right the house where my grandmother was born, my dad's mom. And I can still, we took a picture of my dad and I, I have it still in front of that house that night. And I can still, I can still smell my dad. You know, I can feel my hand on his jacket. Um, and I thought, geez, he doesn't, you know, he feels like a little kid now. He feels like a, you know, he's just different. He's sick. But that moment feels so real to me. Anyway, uh, watching them die and, and being there and, you know, being there at the very, you know, the whole process in the very end and, and, you know, the grieving, which was harder than I thought it was going to be, obviously still is. Jeez. <laughs> um, the, uh, the grieving process of the year or two, it's two years coming up, <clears throat> was harder than I thought it was going to be for me. You know, and I just started feeling four or five months afterwards really, really shitty. I mean, you know, end of, say, 17 into the beginning of 18, just feeling terrible, you know, down, 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 and weepy, you know, <clears throat> not weepy like this where I'm re- recollecting, you know, recalling things and <clears throat> talking about it, but just anything, you know, you'd be sitting there, you'd get weepy. You know, you'd hug your kids more, kiss them, you get weepy. You'd think about, any. Anyway, you, you, I'd go out, you know, go for a run and stop in the middle because I'd be crying. I'd go duck in somewhere in the woods or, or go to their grave a lot and cry. And I started doing that thing with music again where I was starting to feel better when I felt sad. Um, uh, you know, there are a couple, I would listen to, you know, a lot of sad Springsteen stuff or Neil Young stuff or um, just depressing stuff, but just in a weird way would be, I don't know. I, I want it. I craved it. Um, so, you know, is that rolled in uh, to, 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 to where I wound up at McLean? You know, a few months before that, that was August of, of last year. I just felt like I was having a heart attack all the time. Like somebody was stepping on my chest. Um, and that's when I started thinking about killing myself. You know, I mean, I, I you know. I, not, I wish I didn't think of that, uh, but I started thinking about it, and I planned it, and I've talked about it. I'm sure you've read it, or I've talked about the trains and Winchester, and the fact I picked Winchester, I think, is odd. Um, but I knew I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to feel like I felt, and I felt like maybe that was the only way I could not feel like that anymore, and um, it's not true, you know, um, but... You know, I, I knew that I wanted to live and be with, you know, my family and my friends. And I didn't want to put them through that hell at the same time. It's a terribly selfish thing to do, but yet I totally understand it. And, you know, my attitude toward that versus 10, 15 years ago is so different. When I see something like Kate Spade, I'm just saying celebrities that people know. Um, you know, uh, Anthony Bodana, my heart breaks for them. I can't even imagine what the hell, what their, what their life was like. And then, but yet I sort of can. And there are still times now where I feel like that. You know, I just do. 
There are days, not 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 suicidal because I don't really, but there are days where I just feel like shit. And it's been a little more recent. I felt a little bit more like it every once in a while because I think the anniversaries are coming up. And I've talked about spring is weird for me now. I think there just feels like death, and it makes me sad. But um, but I'll get through it. Versus a year ago, I didn't think I would. Um, but it's a horrible, horrible thing. This mental health, you know, it's just a terrible, terrible thing. Mental illness. And I, I feel bad for everyone going through it, and I'm not afraid to talk about it anymore. I really wasn't before, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about it now. And and I do understand that a lot of people are going through it, too. And that helps. I mean, all those emails I got and in, in, in tweets um, from people really did help. And, and, I, and, I, and I try to reach back to everybody. I hope I did. Because, you know, and, and you can always reach out to me if you want to talk about it. I guess I don't mind talking about it. And, you know, I think talking about it's important. And I didn't a year ago. I let it build up, 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 build up. And then all of a sudden I'm at the fucking train station and I'm screaming and bawling on the way to Winchester Hospital and telling some nurse that I need to, I can't be alone. I need somebody to make sure I don't, you know, do something dangerous. Um, so, you know, it, that's sort of the history of it best I can shake it out um yeah and that you know and I feel you know <laughs> I feel that this stuff professionally over the last year and I'm in a good place now because I'm enjoying this but it didn't help either I had a tremendously stressful job a lot of that I put on myself um there was a lot of anger in my job um, there were people I worked with, not on the show, but in the world of it that I didn't have great respect for. And I felt didn't have my back. Um, and I felt people gave in and I really do feel like I was fucked over during the whole process. And I left, uh, took a mental health leave in my opinion, um, and it was it was sad because I it was like a in a way like another family was gone weirdly you know, and I had to work my way through that because it was such a huge part of my life, um, and that's why when people say why do you still harbor stuff toward the globe or toward Murchison that's why you know that's why because I was going through a lot of stuff and I felt like people took great joy in sort of trying to step on my throat when I felt like somebody was already stepping on my chest, you know, I, I didn't really want to, you know, that's why I will always have nothing uh, but hate for them and wish them misery professionally and will do my best to, to, to see that that happens. But um, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I feel good. I know, I'm, I know today's a, sounds weird, but I think it's okay once, it's okay to cry once in a while too, by the way, like there's nothing... This idea that that's, you know, guys can't cry is fucking stupid. I mean, cry. If you feel like shit, cry. If you think it makes you feel better, do it. I do it still. Not as much as before, but I do it every once in a while. You know, it's 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 it's, it's okay. But, uh, but yeah, so that's sort of the history of it. I'm sure I left some stuff out, but, you know, so much of it um, is handed down, you know. So much of it is from your mom or your dad. Were their mom and dad and three or four generations back. I mean, I, there's there's no question in my mind. I, mean, I I could tell that I got sort of that gene from my mom. I just did, and it's going to be with me. There are going to be dark days, and you just get through them. That's the best you can do is just try and get to tomorrow. That's what I'm trying to do. 
uh, I didn't try that a year ago. A year ago, I was I was gone. Now, when I have a shitty day, which is every whatever, say 20 days as opposed to every day or every 10, 15 days, you just know you'll feel better tomorrow. And the meds help, and talking about it helps. And being away from a professional situation that was toxic for me helps a great deal. Um, and that's why, you know, going forward, I'm going to, you know, I'm really optimistic. I had these conversations, as I've said in the past couple of days, where professionally I'm excited and I'm going to keep working. And the investigative stuff is not going uh, away at all. I'm digging in on stuff right now that could be big, a couple of stories. Um, and we're going to continue to have fun. We're going to continue to try and make this show sound a little bit more like the radio show I used to do in some ways. You know, the stuff I like, the stuff that I do well, that's frankly missing that nobody else can do. Um, nobody else can do it. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, so Enough About Me is back tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, uh, well, yeah, hopefully we'll have one, I'm say tomorrow, you're listening to this on Friday, right? So we'll have one for Monday, we'll have three or four next week. Uh, as well. So uh, there you go. That's my verge of a mental breakdown. Talking about how I was on a verge of mental breakdown. Mental health, which again, you know, there are places to go. If you feel like shit, there are numbers to call people you can talk to. Uh, so do it. Do it. Don't be afraid. If you, and again, I'm serious. Tweet at me, email me. I'll, I'll respond to you if you're going through this stuff uh, because I know how serious it is and I know how scary it is. Uh, and it doesn't really have to, there are other people you can talk to. You are definitely not alone. I know you feels like you're as alone as can be, but you're not. Uh, so there you go. So we'll be back tomorrow, I guess, hopefully, with a little more lighthearted version, I think, of Enough About Me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.